going through basic training and all the different pipelines, they really instill that warrior and you're a member of a team. But in Ranger Battalion, everybody just mastery of the basics and everybody's important as the next guy. Hey everybody, it's Robert Gowan here from Mitchell Military. On this episode here, we have Chance Davis, and Chance started off as a medic and an Army Ranger, and we talk a little bit about uh, the time that he spent within the Ranger Battalion, going through Ranger School, being a part of a team, and then of course, after he came after a couple of deployments, he uh, got out of active service, and then went on the television show, Naked and Afraid. And many of you are probably familiar with that television show, and you might even remember Chance being on the show. It was one of the the seasons where they actually extended the members on to 40 days rather than the 20-21 days that they typically do on there. And in this episode, we start diving really deep into the background of teamwork and leadership and the traits that he learned while he was on active duty, and now how he's using that to help mentor young boys in a boys' school. And if you haven't joined our Team Room page, be sure to head out to Facebook where we're doing some really cool things and meetups all across the country and for that matter across the world. We have Sydney, Australia. We have Cardiff Wells. We have uh, all across the U.S. coming up. So if you haven't joined us on our Team Room group page, look for Mentors, the number four MIL on Facebook, and then go out there and join our group. Look forward to seeing you out there. All right, so here we go with another episode of Mentors for Military where I'm joined by Eric Martin and Scott Johnson. This is the Mentors for Military podcast. Three, Almost three years now, two and a half years ago or so, when we had first started the podcast I'd probably only been in the podcast about three or four months when I ran across the choke point kind of an avid follower of that at that time frame when you were doing those and Kat Kalen was on the show and of course that's when I first found Kat and came on the show and she just celebrated her two-year anniversary kind of miss you not doing the choke point every once in a while Chance. Well life's been busy um I think at that point I'd moved to Denver Colorado to start the podcast and uh wanted to connect with veterans and find resources that were available because when I got out, it was get back from deployment beginning of August and August 24th out of the military, figure out this world. And uh, it didn't really work for me. And I knew after talking to a few buddies, it was kind of the same thing. Because we had a pretty action-packed deployment right before I got out and sitting at a kiddie pool a month later, it was like, uh, why am I feeling these physiologic responses? And um, I'm in a calm environment, but I feel like, you know, something's not right. And there was no resources. You know, they rushed us through the transition process and uh, started the podcast and moved out to Denver, met a lot of great veterans out there and did a few episodes and then moved out to Virginia a short time later to help out a Ranger Buddy Farming and got a call from Naked and Afraid to go out and do their show. And once I came back from that, you know, recovering my health, it was like an extended version of Ranger School. So coming back, getting some weight back on and just priorities changed at that point. You know, I'd met my now wife uh, right before going on the show. And now we're expecting our little one, Colt Stonewall Davis, here in a few months. Awesome. Congratulations. Um, I appreciate it. And so just priorities changed. Um, You know, now I work as a campus manager at a school for at-risk youth 
I was basically a first sergeant for about 60 wound up kids and I uh, love my job, but it's just really time consuming and maybe one day I'll get back into podcasting, but you know, I love life the way it is right now. You know, when you came in, you came in as, I guess, a uh, medic at that time frame. And did you go under a ranger contract or was it a different MOS in the beginning? Uh, so I'm a young guy. Um, what was it? 2007. I did a year of college and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Just wanted to help people. So I was in school for psychology and I was paying for it all on my own. My mom was getting ready to go back to prison, which she spent most of my childhood. And I uh, wanted something different. Met a recruiter at a Target. I was going to make a merit demerit system with a whiteboard. And saw this guy, Chisel Jolly, had a Ranger tab on. He wasn't a battalion guy, but you could just tell by his mannerisms that he was squared away and he had charisma. So I sat down with him and two weeks later shipped out. And I wow. had just a basic medic contract. You know, I didn't know what I wanted. I wanted to help people. So it was a healthcare specialist. You'll get to basically do everything. <laughs> Money. And uh, once I got to basic training, my mom had actually sent a 10-page letter to basic training saying that I was homicidal, I was on drugs, I wasn't fit for duty. Oh, geez. So they sat me down in 30th AG, and I'm like, please let me be here. I want to be here. So I studied the skill level one handbook back to back. I paid people to do their fire guard to watch so I could take apart the weapons and just you know, show them that I wanted to be there. And uh, I think my first PT test, I had like a 340. So they're like, all right, uh, we're going to give you this ranger contract. I'm like, oh, what's a ranger? Well, you'll get to kill a lot of terrorists. You'll have short deployments, and you'll be around PT studs like you. Wait, wait, okay. let, me, let me back up here. Let me rewind just a little bit. So here you are. You're suicidal. You're, you know, all this kind of stuff. Hey, you're a perfect candidate for an Army ranger. Here's your contract. Yeah. So my mom, <laughs> uh, she had it. She had it backwards, and uh, I just basically had to prove my my keep, you know. Yeah. And I was used to that from childhood struggles, you know, proving that you want to be there. You have to outperform everybody just to earn your spot on the team. And uh, got the basic training. I graduated with the highest PT score, and so they offered me the Ranger contract. And that just kind of gave me a target to focus on. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to be the best at whatever it was. And whether it was – cleaning toilets my toilet was going to be the cleanest whether it was a clean rifle or you know highest pt score i just wanted to be the best and set that standard for myself going in you didn't have airborne contract or anything then at this point nope so they just came up and said hey man we want to offer you a ranger contract right off the bat because i mean a lot of times as you know they pick them up in airborne school but uh, to get that right into basic training that had to be pretty unique no, it was uh, special. I didn't really know at the time how special it was, but it set me on a course that I'll forever be thankful for. Uh, so finished the pipeline, you know, basic, then the basic medical school for um, combat medics and airborne school. And I, I liked because the groups got narrower and narrower and people that wanted to be there, you could tell by their output. Uh, so went to Ranger Indoc after that and after Ranger Indoc, there was a big holdover for the Special Operations Combat Medic course. So they sent the top PT scores for the medics to Ranger School. It was three of us. Uh, two ended up graduating, so I skipped uh, the hardship, went straight from RIP to uh, Ranger School, came back. When I went to Sockham, I had already had my tab, so it was tab spec four, and kind of missed a lot of the hazing that most people enjoy. And... Uh, 
as soon as I got to battalion, we were getting ready for deployment. Oh my God. And I took over the senior medic slot because I had my tab. So jumping in with the platoon, having a tab is, you know, a cherry helped out a lot. You know, a lot of guys had confidence in a medic that, you know, knew infantry tactics pretty well. Um, so we went to Iraq for that first appointment and it wasn't really busy. Uh, we had some good missions, but it was a good introductory. Got to train up four junior medics and get my feet wet. And then after that, we, uh, our next appointment was Afghanistan and we were going to do what's called the Merrill mission. So basically instead of three month ranger deployments where we do 200 plus combat missions, it was a six month appointment. And basically just a movement to contact type deployment. So you're going out, hey, this is me. I'm going to pay your family. Come fight us. We're going to take over your house, build a compound from it, fight you guys for the next three, four days until all the bad guys are going. And then move to the next part of the country and continue that. So it was busy. It was good. Uh, But like I said, right after that, so we came out. We uh, handed over with – the team that was with extortion 17. So around that same time frame that summer. So I got back early August, right as extortion 17 happened and, uh, end of August out of the military, out of the army switched over to reserves, but it sucked. I mean, no, Hey, this is what you're going to look forward to. You're going to be completely different from everybody around work ethic. Yeah, that's gone. Nobody's going to have that. Uh, just expect to be alienated. Nothing. So, uh, my ex-wife, she, uh, gave me the ultimatum on my deployment, get out or me. And I felt like I had made that commitment to her and as a man should honor that. And it just went to crumbles. She didn't know how to deal with me and I didn't know how to deal with me. Yeah. So I just started hitting the bottle hard, you know, just kind of masking the anger and the just alienation. So I did the police academy six months later and hated that, you know, to go from human hunting to protecting in the community was just a weird concept, especially after a good deployment. And uh, at the end of the academy, put in my resignation and three months later started contracting it's a DOD contract, and I loved it because I, I wasn't really different anymore. I was around, you know, scout snipers, Marine Recon, Rangers, SF, and right. I was just back in the community without actually being in the community. So I did that for about three years, and then just after that, moved back to the States, started coaching CrossFit at a gym in Montana, did that for a little bit, and then uh, actually the guys that I was working with on that security contract we moved up to upstate New York and there was an Indian nation that wanted security. So we basically set up this security element for a uh, Indian nation, making more than we did on the security contract in Afghanistan. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so they had an internal feud within this Indian nation and the head chief wanted his security detail. And we created that and did that for about two years. And same thing, just kind of putting off the, assimilation i'm around the same guys you know not really doing the same work but makes it easier and during that time i just hit the bottle hard and struggling internally but functioning on the outside if that makes sense yeah sure does and uh most of the guys were veterans and have been in the contract world for 
X number of years, five houses, three ex-wives, the norm. And I was like, you know, there's got to be resources out there to help us. I don't know of any of them. So I'm going to create this podcast and just start reaching out to different companies, uh, Vet Ticks, uh, Big Sky Bravery. Um, just find resources, get to know what they have to offer and put it out on the public platform. And it worked. You know, a lot of the, the guys that I was close with, I would tell them about the podcast. They would tune into it and like, man, I feel the same way. I didn't know other people felt like that. So it kind of validated the effort. And being in upstate New York, it sucked. There's not a lot of veterans in that area and the public. They don't really appreciate military service. And I wanted to get to an area that had more veterans that I could connect with. So I moved out to Denver and a plethora of veterans out there. A lot of great organizations, a lot of just good people. And to continue the podcast efforts there, but it was in another crappy relationship. And uh, so packed up everything I could fit in my truck and moved out to Virginia to help farm with a ranger buddy. And about a month later, I got a call from Discovery Channel. Hey, we need some crazy veteran to go on this show. And I was all about it. You know, as much as you can eat, you're in the woods, free camping trip. (laughs) Well, let's go back a little bit, too, because I think it'll be really cool to talk about just that whole experience that you just described of when you're going through this cycle of life that you just described. Um, there were plenty of times where you had to blend in. You had to kind of humble yourself, and you had to be a part of a team and an organization. And certainly that's what a lot of the Rangers, as you know, is about, is a lot of teamwork and working together uh, and that collaborative effort. And so if you have a, a lone wolf, they stand out really bad in these types yep. of situations. And I don't think a lot of people really recognize uh, maybe the, how much that you guys have to work together as a team and you each have your roles and and, and those types of things. And maybe they've kind of heard about it a little bit, but I think it would be really good for you to, to understand what that meant for you, especially in being a part of a team player. I mean, being a medic, you're, uh, you carry a bag that nobody else carries. And, you know, if you're not there, the mission really can't go on. Um, but it was the same for everybody, whether it was canines, snipers, the squad leaders, the platoon sergeant, everybody had their individual task, but, the collective effort depended on everybody putting forth 110% effort in their perspective areas. And I enjoy that. Um, you know, I did sports as a, a youth wrestling football, kind of the same thing. You, you have your individual job, but you're working as a member of a team and, um, going through basic training and all the different pipelines, they really instill that warrior and you're a member of a team. But in Ranger Battalion, everybody just mastery of the basics and everybody's important as the next guy. And deployments really set that in stone. If I didn't do my job correctly, that meant somebody else's life. And I missed that, whether it was in PT, like if I shammed out in PT and then put forth effort, that I had to carry that in my conscience. That if somebody died on this deployment, I was because I was shamming out or I wasn't putting forth effort and uh, just having that, that level of purpose and the way you carry yourself, the way you carry yourself in public, the way you PT, the way you conduct yourself in uh, the shoot houses or the law fire ranges, everything depended on you putting forth effort for the team. 
that's uh, so important because a lot of people don't understand that, you know, in the military, especially in the uh, the conventional army and stuff, you you may be a part of a team and you may have a role as either, you know, uh, certain roles and stuff that you may have within the squad. But I think it takes on a whole new level uh, within the soft community, especially within the Rangers. Uh, and, and that's one of those things I think you guys end up carrying on a lot when you get off active service as well, is that camaraderie and that teamwork and that effort that I think many of you miss as well when you come out into the private sector because it doesn't exist the same way that it did there. And that's kind of what you spoke about earlier as well. Yeah, I mean, the level of purpose, that's something I've only really found here recently working with at-risk youth, a job that you go back and you look in the mirror and you feel good about what you've done. It's not for profit. It's not for fame. It's to produce something that just does good, you know, whether it's eradicating bad guys that are taking up space on the earth or teaching the next generation of warriors, that level of purpose. But then working with people that, care about what they're doing the same level or more than you. Yeah. I didn't find that in the civilian sector. And, uh, that was tough. You know, you, you wouldn't think about getting out that those would be the biggest struggles. But for me, it was the finding purpose and finding people that cared about what they were doing as much as me. For me, I found it. It was uh, what I almost called like your anchor, that thing that kind of holds you down and, uh, anchors you and makes you, you, you call it your purpose or, or those types of things. And I, we've talked a lot about purpose or passion, but for me, I think it was that grounding moment. What is that thing that kind of grounds me and makes me feel normal, feel complete type of thing, if that makes any sense? You know, military, I kind of think of it like a, everybody's holding on to this giant American flag. You know, everybody in, in your squad, or your platoons holding on to the flag. And if somebody were to drop their hands, like you, you'd see it. You'd see the flag start to fall. And I didn't see the flag fall ever when I was in Ranger Battalion. And coming home, whether it's your family, whether it's friends that don't really understand what you've been through and no no fault of their own, if they didn't experience it, then you can't expect them to understand it completely. But just seeing that flag fall around me when I got out, it was, it makes you sad. It makes you angry. And there's no blueprint on what to do in those moments and for me and a lot of rangers that i know you know we turn to the bottles and isolated from everybody around and um i wanted to find a solution and i kept just going to the wrong places and until i reached out to other veterans and they did the same thing like hey you know it, i i termed love to me on deployments you know, when I would take a corner and I would go low and I just knew that there was going to be a rifle barrel over my shoulder every time. I didn't have to think about it. I went low. He went high. That was my, my new definition of love. And I didn't get that in getting out of the military. And that was that was a struggle because I had this high standard that nobody, my, my wife, my friends, my family, nobody could could match that standard but once i reached out to other veterans that were understanding that struggle they did the same thing like hey i got a couch man it's all right you come crash with me we'll get we'll get your va figured out we'll get you started in school we'll get you out of that horrible relationship you've been hiding in hey put down the bottle let's go do pt you know 
going back to the team is really what saved me. It's a brotherhood, isn't it? You know, and it it's forged in fire and in in Civvy Street, that hardship and that turmoil isn't there for most people, and therefore that bond doesn't grow that strong, and and you get that in the military, and when when you do leave and you go off in your own direction, you like you said, Chance, you you you're lost amongst people who don't understand that anymore. And and it's it's difficult for a lot of people, and especially, you know, you said you went upstate New York and there's not many veterans around that area. You you've got no community or tribe as uh, Sebastian Younger calls it, you know, that you can fit back into in the second part of your uh, your life, so to speak. And it's it's difficult for a lot of people, and they've got to find that purpose. And I, I think that's for me exactly the right word to put on it. It's it's that purpose, that drive, that motivating factor. You mentioned something else too, though, Chance, and then that is what I heard as well is it wasn't just the fact that um, you didn't have those people around you and that kind of tribe and everything else, but it was also about um, you having a sense of purpose maybe you offering something to somebody else because it wasn't just that somebody had your back. It's that you also had their back as well. So Mm -hmm. not having that type of connection of, you know, having somebody cover you, but that sense of purpose of you fulfilling that in some way, maybe like you're doing now with these young men and helping, you know, make them mature and bring them, them into society and those types of things you're fulfilling a greater purpose too, where it's not just um, a one-way thing. You feel like you're giving something to them and, and they may not even realize now that they're giving something back to you. Absolutely. You, you brought up something too, as far as like the uh, purpose portion and like a couple of years ago uh, when I, you know, left the uh, soft community for uh, my hiatus to kind of regroup and take care of some things. I was in a similar situation, just a, a really bad divorce and so on, trying to get to see my son and uh, I reached out to uh, Rocco Vargas uh, from uh, the Drinking Bros uh, when he was running that and uh, Art 15 with uh, Matt Best and those guys. And I reached out to him because he started pointing out a lot of stuff with regards to like purpose. And I, 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 it's up to us basically to find our own purpose and create it. And what you're saying is exactly true. Like, and I've kind of been bringing it up in the last, I've got a thing that I do called Ruck Thoughts. And you know, us trying to bring it to essentially like the corporate world or whatever that you want to say and, you know, bring and instill those like, you know, that esprit de corps the, that we had in the military and bringing that into a, a corporate mindset essentially of like, you know, just building that team. And we we sometimes lose that because we think that because we're out of the military that that can exist or it doesn't exist. It, it can. We just kind of have to help create that culture. You've got to find, there's two sides of it, isn't there? There's the purpose, the direction that you want to go in, but there's also the team part of it. You know, we're team people, we're pack animals, essentially. Uh, And to do something and have a purpose, but on your own is difficult. To be part of a team, but not have a purpose is difficult. You've got to have both parts of that that make up, you know, the, the, the whole circle and it's 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 very difficult to find both of those together, especially outside of the military, because you can you can find a team, you know, whether it be a sports team or something like that. But it's minimalistic, isn't it? You know, and people get together to play the sport, and then you finish and it's gone and it's forgotten about. You don't see anybody till next 
next Saturday till they go and play a game again. So you don't have that belonging part of it. But there's 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 the team sitting there for a moment. But you've got to you've got to find a, a team that you can be part of and belong to, but also with that sense of purpose and that drive and that vision and that outcome at the end of it, I guess. I think it was the same way when you ran into the naked and afraid. So, I mean, we kind of get into that whole thing. When you uh, you got the call and it was kind of – how was it that you were found in the first place by the, the television series? I mean, how did they find you? Uh, so they contacted me when I finally left back in August, and I left in early October. But back before then, probably February, they first contacted me for Naked and Afraid. And then a few weeks later, hey, we got the position filled. Thank you for your time. And then a few months later, I went out for an extra spot on a show called Kicking and Screaming for Fox. Basically, they pair survivalists with a Barbie, put them together to do competitions and laugh at you. And so I didn't make the cut. And then on the day that they were going to send me home, I'm like, change my plane ticket. I want to stay here for another week. And just kind of hung out in the jungle and lived with a, a family in a village. I was the first outsider to ever go to that village and had a great time. And then when I got back stateside, uh, the same production company said that they wanted me on a show and they would work to get me back on. And uh, at that point, I just moved to Virginia to farm with my ranger buddy. And while we were out on the farm, they called and said, hey, you know, we got a spot for you on Nick and Freed. Do you want it? Absolutely, challenge and opportunity to push myself. Uh, you know, be a professional nudist. Absolutely, <laughs> a professional uh, nudist. And so I spent the next couple of weeks just, you know, hardening up my feet, same way you do for schools. And you know, we were already living in in the woods, basically making fires and cooking dude, you were doing some serious fire. training, though. I mean, I remember watching some of those little training videos that you would do at probably like three o'clock in the freaking morning or something, and it was it was crazy. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you're getting ready for a school, you kind of get yourself indoctrinated into whatever mindset you need for the task ahead. And I, I loved it. It was a, a new objective, a new target. You know, you get out of the military and the one thing that's missing is, you know, what's my next mission? What's my next mission? And if you don't find that for yourself, you're just going to wander aimlessly and you're going to stumble into some trouble. But when guys, I see when they find their direction, when they find their their bearing, then they're good to go. Um, so I left, and I was going to do the 21-day uh, drop you off in the jungle and see if you can survive. And, you know, I felt good. I, you know, I had my ranger buddies behind me supporting me in that effort, and uh, I wanted to make sure that I represented the veteran and military community well. So I kind of had that weight on my shoulder in a good sense. Yeah. And um, a week before I left, I met my now wife, and so things were, things were on the up, you know, I'd moved out of, of a bad relationship and I had purpose with the show. And on day 20, they, uh, they started asking, Hey, would you stay longer if you could? And, uh, I saw it as an opportunity to grow further. You know, I was partnered up with a female yeah. so being a ranger battalion. We don't really work with females <laughs> other than right. CST. Right. And that was completely new to me. You know, I'm task oriented, you know, close your mouth and just keep moving forward. And she was going complete polar opposite. I mean, just. Yeah, she was a good girl. Yeah. But uh, no, I watched it. Uh, you, you're being kind. But 
you know, so I, I was wondering if you were in this type of situation, though, where um, it, at least it appeared through the editing that you guys had no clue that this was going to happen and that you were going to discover these additional people and all that kind of stuff. And and at that point, they if I remember correctly on the show, they kind of made it seem as though they asked you at that moment, would you like to stay? And you chose it at that moment. Is that kind of the sequence of what happened or was it really something that was occurred prior to that? Uh, no, it was, they kept saying when we first got inserted, like, don't quit. There's going to be a good surprise at the end. So the longer it went on, I'm thinking, you know, they're going to have a big pizza party for us or something. And <laughs> yeah. they, said, they said, you know, you'll have this two day extraction. So you're going to have to build a raft. So I spent the next, you know, 13 some odd days cutting down trees in the middle of the jungle, carrying them out in the swamp to build this raft. And, uh, one day, Day 19, day 19, left on the first leg of the journey. And uh, once we met up with the group, it was at the end of the day. We had been on the Amazon River for sunrise, almost sunset, you know, baking, paddling on this homemade raft in the Amazon River. And we meet up, and there's a group of five people splashing in the water at the location where we were going to set up camp. Yeah. So I'm like, what, what's going on? You know, is this a surprise? You know, we meet up with another group that's already out here and then we get to the party for a night and that's the surprise. But we got around the campfire and the production crew said, Hey, do you want to stay for another 20 days? <laughs> now at that point, you know, I've been thinking about Oreo pies and pizza. <laughs> and I bet. Hours, but... Yep. I'll do it. 20 more days. Let's go. Um, so my partner, she had some family issues back home that she wanted to take care of, but I was all about it. I felt strong. We had ate good and had a lot of piranha, a lot of heart of palm and really felt strong. So doing 20 more days was an opportunity to push myself physically and mentally and, you know, see that grip factor and, uh, stayed for 20 more days. Did you feel like you, uh, kind of owed it to, you said, you know, we're talking about the weight on your shoulder at that point. Did you kind of feel like you had a duty or a responsibility being that you asked if you'd have like left, would uh, would your brothers kind of called you out? Hey, Chance, man, why didn't you stay? Uh, you know, did it come out to one of those types of things? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I knew I there would be. Out or left early? <laughs> oh, James wouldn't have let me hear the end of it. Uh, yeah. Somehow I knew that. I was like, I could even almost see it on your face, by the way, on the, uh, the TV and stuff, because you could kind of see like, ah. Dang, man, I really want to go home, but I just know I'll get called out like a dog if I leave here. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's a good thing, you know. I don't view that as negative. You know, you go through a school and everybody, oh, I'll quit tomorrow. Let's get through it together. And just kind of having other people that are your driving force, it's a strength, not a, a default. So, yeah, I was thankful for that, you know. Yeah, no doubt. So now all of a sudden you've been assim you have to assimilate all over again. You've got to get into this crowd. You don't know who these people are, and um, I mean that that's a whole new experience in itself. In in terms of you know we're talking about teams and getting to understand other people's quirks and their the strengths. And so here you've been out there twenty days. They've also been out there the same amount of time, and they were also asked would they like to stay, right? Or was it uh, that they were um, they were told they had to? I can't remember. Uh, so everybody that started, it was three groups of three that That's were right. spread off in different areas. 
But they had already done 21-day challenges, came back home, prepared again. And they knew that they were walking into a 40-day challenge. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember I, if that was the case. You had no clue when you walked in. Though. No clue. Yeah. And I, I like that. You know, a lot of people that joined Ranger Battalion, you know, I love Special Forces, but, you know, we did, we wanted high and tights. We didn't care about the beard. Right. You, you can call out Eric. It's all right, man. <laughs> We just wanted to go and do work, and we didn't really know what rangers were. We just knew that that was the group running around in black PTs in the middle of the night, you know, just these hard chargers, and we didn't know what we were getting into, but we wanted something elite. And uh, going into a 21-day challenge and then finishing 40, uh, I feel pretty privileged to have that opportunity. You know, I didn't know what I was walking into, and that made the challenge – that much more greater, even especially on the mental aspect of it. Oh God. Yeah. I bet. So Eric, go ahead. Yeah. I know you want to chime in, man. You're, but uh, yeah, you're, I, I was going to discuss my beard, but Hey, it, <laughs> it, it does go pretty strong when I'm on deployment. You have no hair. How in the hell do you have beer? Uh, I don't hair have you? hair. Oh, I can, I can grow some facial hair like a. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> So here you go into this uh, this whole new environment where you're having to uh, to get along with people and such, and I'm sure that was a bit of a challenge. And of course, we all know that you made it through it. Now you're back into your home environment after you come back. I know James has been doing a lot of stuff with Conway Cattle and trying to help a lot of guys like yourself and, and Ranger buddies who need the opportunity to decompress, especially after deployments or if they're making a transition. And um, I think it's a wonderful thing what you guys do there. And in terms of that, if guys want to have that opportunity and go there and feed some cattle and ride some horses and live in the country and do the kinds of things that you guys are doing out there and maintaining a farm and understanding of giving back in some ways, but also having a chance to decompress, um, that's, that's really good stuff, you know? Yeah, one of the podcasts I did was with uh, Big Scott Bravery. So mm -hmm. they, they're out in Montana, and they bring special operations guys that are coming back from deployments and just need – you know, you can't run your number one guy through every every entry point. He's going to be too geared up, too keyed up, and you got to swap him out. Uh, so what I like th that they're doing is guys that are coming back from deployment need a chance just to decompress a little bit. And uh, so far that's – it's what I've seen, you know, with, with James and his operation where guys come back from a, a lengthy deployment and now they're just riding horses in the mountains, throwing slabs of beef up on an open fire and talking about the good old days. And, you know, you don't have to stress out. You're in the middle of nowhere. You got guns with you. You got horses with you. You got people that, you know, are trained up. But it's a chance for you to get caught up on sleep and just – turn that switch off because for me coming out of the military that was the hardest thing is learning that it didn't need to be code red and that you know red state always but there were times and places where i could decompress and uh being out in the woods farming and hanging out with uh solid dudes you know there's a lot of better foundations where some guys that get out you know they got out because they had some some issues in service maybe they weren't squared away and uh, dealing with the active duty guys, you don't run into those issues. Mm -hmm. You know, these are all guys that we know personally or guys that were vetted from somebody and they come out and you don't, they're just, just one of the guys and they're solid. Uh, so I enjoy that, but having somebody there that has your back, you know, allows you to relax and you don't have to worry about fitting in and being 
you know, the gray man. You can just be yourself, and we're not going to look at you like you're crazy. You want to PT and blast loud music, you know? That, that's the norm. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure it helps a lot of the guys that do come back, and uh, they'll probably, you know, probably tell you afterwards or, you know, go while they're going through this and experiencing it. But it'll probably really hit them a year, two years, three years later on down the road of how much of an experience that really was and how much that probably helped them find that grounding or find that purpose and, and, uh, help them in some way, you know, where they don't go rushing to the bottle as we talked about and such. Yep. It's, you know, just the same militarism we all knew, see one, do and teach one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I got out and I didn't know how to do it, but I linked up with somebody that figured out a way that was working, that wasn't detrimental to their health or mental being. And, uh, I learned how to do it and now I'll pass it on to the next one. That's really what it's all about, you know. I mean, it's being part of the the NCO and and like you said, just trying to give back and to the community and uh, helping other people kind of rise up as opposed to focusing on yourself. And I think that's what you're doing as well within the boys, uh, you know, the school there that you're doing and taking these uh, these kids and trying to turn them into men. It's much of the same thing. I mean, you're passing on, and it's probably the reason why you're so passionate about it even now is that you're taking the things that you were very good at that you felt comfortable with and applying those same things to the everyday life with these young men. You know, it's a very unique and special opportunity for me. Um, So the way this all came about, I was a student here at the boys home from 1998 to 2001. And uh, the program director now, I met him as I was passing from Denver to link up with James And I was just stopping by for 10 minutes just to get some kind of remnants of my past. And he comes up and, hey, you know, I remember you. You were in the cottage a few cottages down. Oh, wow. Would you want to work here? Well, you know, I'm going out for Naked and Afraid, but once I get back, I'd love to. So on the 40-day challenge, the production company actually reached out to him and told him that I was still interested in the job. And uh, when I came back, just jumped straight into it once I got my health back. But, um, you know, being a tab spec four, you, you have your, your fire team that you're training up for deployment. And that's kind of what I look at my job now. I've had life experiences and I was blessed to go through the struggles that I did, but I learned a lot of lessons in that. And it's my duty now, I feel it, to pass on those lessons. And I feel privileged. We have one kid that's leaving into this month. He has an airborne infantry contract, and he wants to be a ranger. For me, you know, PT was huge. In the military, prior to the military, is a way for me to deal with struggles. You know, now if I have a bad day, the first thing I do is go for a run. That's what we learned in Ranger Battalion. I was going to say, that's that's all you did in Ranger Battalion. Legs and lungs. (laughs) You brought up a couple of things that were kind of big to me lately. Is like the serendipity of, like, you know, running into that person – that basically gave you a chance to, you know, give something back to the community again. And I think it's awesome that you're working with the kids because uh, I just spoke with somebody that I'm getting ready to do a partnership with in our uh, project management company. And we were discussing like how there really isn't a whole lot of focus on like the military children. And we're looking at beginning a uh, mentorship program. So I definitely want to talk to you offline about that, but uh, it's, it's really cool to see like how the whole mentorship thing is being 
changed across the board and not like really anything has changed with regards to mentoring people, whether it be adults, children, military, whatever. But it's we are realizing and I think we've become more cognizant of the focus on how it works. Yeah, I mean, we've learned so many life lessons in the military that you really can't get anywhere else. Doctrinated, you, you go, a lot of us go to combat and you come back and you have this plethora of knowledge. And, you know, we complain about the state of our society, but it's easier to point a finger than to, you know, put on your gloves and just dive in there and change the culture. Uh, we, we have our tribes, and it's easy to stay within that. But the right thing to do is to branch out and, you know, train and teach and mentor the next generation. Yeah, which I think you're doing very well, man. I mean, I uh, really appreciate what you're doing. I don't know if uh, people really tell you that every day, but, you know, keeping an eye on you and watching you through uh, social media, it's been really cool to see the interaction and what you guys do. And um, again, you know, uh, I think you're making a major difference in people's lives that they may not realize it today, but I think two, three, five, ten years down the road, it's going to be like you. You're going to come back or they're going to come back and they're going to be looking for you and where's Chance? And, you know, I want to say thank you and because uh, uh, you, you've got to be making a difference, man. Now, it, it's one of those jobs where, you know, your your greatest pat on the back is just looking in the mirror and feeling good about what you've done. Yeah. And like I said, I have one that's graduating this week and leaving for an airborne infantry contract at the end of the month. I have another junior who's a PT stud and wants to be a ranger. And, you know, the biggest thing about leadership I've found is just modeling, doing the right thing, and others will see that and they will follow in your footsteps. So being able to be here and lead from the front and lead by example and change the culture in my immediate AO, it's a really good feeling. Yeah, I bet it is. And, and again, I think this comes back to you found your purpose and passion. You thought you would lost it, but uh, you, you found it once again. Absolutely. Yeah, it's basically just translating your leadership skills from a kinetic environment into a non-kinetic environment. And, man, you've absolutely just nailed it, and it, it, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty cool. I mean, again, if, if you're not following, uh, people aren't following you on Instagram or social media or something, maybe it'll be a, uh, a great opportunity to kind of give a little bit of a shout-out. Of course, we follow you, Conway Cattle, um, so maybe it's an opportunity for you to kind of to give those – those handles or those accounts or something so that people can learn more about you guys. Absolutely. Uh, Instagram chance in action. Um, and I do pretty much everything through Instagram, but I'm looking for more vets that, you know, are in the same situation. Want, want to connect. We just did a senior challenge with our seniors and had them navigate some outdoor wilderness challenges and paintballing. So a lot of future opportunities for veterans that want to come out and, and camp out we have 1300 acres of mountain property and we have paintball uh we have a creek that has phenomenal trout fishing campsites uh you know i'm working in partnership with t marie she was on uh, american grit a few years back they have a camp that we're looking to send some of our boys to where they pair up with military mentors uh, with at-risk youth and do a week-long summer camp yeah, I saw you did a call, I think a shout-out here a few weeks back because uh, you were looking for um, veterans who wanted to come and give some kind of mentoring or something like that, and uh, which is really cool because, I mean, 
I know a lot of guys come up to the D.C. area. They, uh, they, they come up here for various reasons. I mean, you're probably, what, about two and a half hours south of D.C., something like that, or three hours? Yep, two and a half, three. We've had one guy that came out, and I honestly feel like from his speech really contributed. The guy that's leaving the end of the month wanted to be a Navy SEAL, and uh, you know, the speaker came out was a former 375 Ranger. And now he wants to be an airborne ranger. So that's awesome. No, that is really cool. And you know, I've been telling James I need to get down there for, geez, I think it's been about 10 months or so since uh, we talked about me coming down that way. So, well, I appreciate you coming on, brother, man. I really do. And uh, telling your story. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies, and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code mentors for mil or mentors the number 4 mil at SkeletonOptics.com, and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.